0: Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics, presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you.
1: Welcome into a special episode of the Financially Sharp Podcast. I'm Adam Henning. That's Tanner. Uh, we're coming to you today, uh, Saturday, March 11th, for us. Like I said, a special emergency podcast. Um, today, we're going to go over um, and unpack everything Silicon Valley Bank. Um, we're, we're recording this episode, like I said, again, Saturday, March 11th, um, a very timely episode. Um, that's kind of the reason why we're calling it a special episode. Um, just given the the things that went down on Thursday, Friday. Um, so when we reference yesterday or Thursday, please keep that in mind that we are recording this on Saturday. So um, just to give a quick background, um, I, I was busy Tanner with uh, you know just regular life and a, a photo shoot and. He was done for the day, came back, got on social media, and started seeing these things, (laughs) these memes and jokes. I don't want to play it lightly, but um, I just quickly sent you a few texts and some stuff. I was like, what's going on? Um, And you said, hey, let's just, instead of me explaining to you, let's just record a special episode. So here we are.
2: That's right. Uh, You'll learn it firsthand along with anyone else that uh, ends up watching or listening to the podcast. So,
1: (laughs) Right. So instead of, you know, doing, consuming all that stuff on social media, might as well just go to an expert, right, and uh, get the facts and unpack what we know right now. So where do you want to start here? We're going to try to keep this pretty pretty condensed um, from a normal uh, format of our um, episode, so hopefully we can stick to about 15-20 minutes here. So uh, where do you want to start?
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the hope. Uh, well, and don't depends, hold me to that. Yeah, I was going to say, it depends <laughs> on many questions you have and things that, that we need to kind of um, dive into more. But uh, really, I mean, I just want to talk about Again, what we know as of now, it's Saturday. So, um, you know, what information is out there right now? As you mentioned, you heard a lot of it on social media. I've seen a lot of things on social media. Uh, They're, you know, getting maybe a tenth of it right, or, and not that they're intentionally getting things wrong. It's just you can only put so much on social media. And so it's not focusing on all of it. And what I want to do in this is really just, it's a very, very complex. Situation that had, you know, what I think are three really main causes that caused this, you know, perfect storm. Um, And I want to just talk about those and try to break it down and make it as easy to understand as possible of all of these moving pieces so that, you know, anyone watching or anyone listening to this has a better grasp of the totality of what happened. Because if we don't understand everything, one, we may not address what risk is here as being enough. And we might just not understand. So it's not a big deal and and move on. But on the flip side, we also, there are times, and this I think is social media pushing this, uh, but that it could cause more panic than is also necessary. So I think it's just really important to talk about uh, Silicon Valley Bank. We're going to be calling that SVB for the rest of the episode. Uh, to try to cut down on on uh, <laughs> the the long names. Um, but really just talk about who they were, what happened, what what situation were they in? Were they in, and what did they do that got them into this situation? Was there any? Um you know, bad actors that we are aware of, what are the implications of this going forward, you know, all of those types of things. And we'll try to keep it, as Adam said, uh, a heck of a lot shorter than our normal episodes, which run 45 minutes to an hour. Um, but I do want to make sure we cover this in totality as well.
1: Right. So Friday, March 10th, the government, FDIC, took control of SVB. Uh, the second largest bank failure in U.S. history, Washington Mutual in 2008, was the largest. Mm-hmm. Uh, stock price for the bank was down more than 60% on Thursday, the ninth, and trading was halted prior to the market open on Friday. So how did this happen? What are some of the main causes? What yeah. you're calling a perfect storm.
2: Yeah, so the three kind of main things, we'll dive into this in a lot more detail, but the three main things that we want to kind of focus on and what caused this, in my opinion, are um, SVB, it's a big bank. I mean, you you've mentioned it right there. It's the second, this is the second largest bank failure in the United States history. Um, so this is no, you know, small cookies type of thing. This is this is big time. Um, but SVB worked primarily with startups and venture capitalists. They they're not a Chase or a Wells Fargo or a you know a, a normal even in, even a normal regional bank. I mean wherever you're listening, I'm sure that there's a regional credit unions and banks that that are near you that you know work with just regular people like us and have you know regular business accounts and 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 have kind of everything. They specialized with uh working with startups and venture uh, capital companies. Um, Nearly a half of all venture-backed tech and healthcare companies um, were using SVB. So very, very specialized with what they did. But it it also is not a new bank. They've been around for 40 years. So they've been around a long time. So that's going to be issue number one is that they're highly specialized into a certain area. Issue number two is... The rapid—I say that a little bit. It, it has been rapid, but I don't want to. Th- this isn't the Fed's fault, so I'll, I'll put that out there first. But the the rapid rate hikes that we've seen over the last you know nine months have had played an impact into this and and what happened. That's factor number two of this perfect storm, and then the third one was, uh, you know, again, I don't want to blame social media, but social media had to play into it and kind of this. Uh, the information got out and there was a run on the bank. There was fear and fear spread very quickly throughout the news and throughout social media and there was a run on the bank. Uh, I don't remember the exact figure that I was reading, but uh, approximately 25% of deposits were taken out in one day. Like that That's going to cripple any bank. So when those things happen um, and, and when all three of them happen and in a very condensed time frame it doesn't at least at this point here on Saturday nothing I've read looks or seems like there were any bad actors now as more information comes out maybe that is changes but as of right now it just seems like this was just a really really unfortunate system uh, you know three things that all happened and caused this very large bank uh to you know to go under and the FDIC took control on Friday.
1: Can you explain a run on the bank? Is that just a, a phrase used to pull out money? A, a lot of yeah, assets yep. were drawn.
2: Yep, exactly. So a run on the bank is when uh, people or companies go to the bank and take out their their deposits and keep cash, move it to a different bank, you know, whatever they do with them. But it's it's a very very large uh, withdrawal of deposits that a bank would you know had. Um, and and a big decrease in in their assets.
1: So, from a strategy standpoint, were they positioned well, or was this just bad strategy? Or, uh, yeah, I uh, mean, combination of many things,
2: yeah, yeah, combination of many things. I'm gonna chalk it up to right now. Uh, can you sit here and say, was it bad strategy? Sure. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Sounds you know, I, yeah. true, a lot of the, thing. uh, a lot of the social media memes, you know, some of the ones that you sent me talk about that. You know, they had a, uh, one of them I'm trying to remember was a clip from, uh, Wolf of wall street and they'd changed some of the, you know, the terms in there and whatnot. And, 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 and basically just making a mockery of, of SVB and what happened. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Like it's, hindsight's 2020 so we can sit here and say yeah that wasn't very intelligent to make investments that they did um but at again like we're we're right here right now knowing that that, you know if they made those investments two three four years ago like you you don't know that this is happening and so um i think that it's a little harsh to at least as of this point until more data would come out i think it's a little harsh to say that it's because of poor investments. So let's let's just walk through what happened so that we're not talking, like I feel like that kind of got into an area where we haven't really discussed the, the sure. assets and different things, that's okay. So um, let's just kind of, so we went over the three kind of catalysts that I think caused this. Now let's just start, and I'm just gonna kind of walk through what happened uh if you have a question on something please throw it in but I kind of wanted I don't want to do a lot of explaining in this other than just to kind of walk through the series of events and then we can go over it that sound cool. Um so as of Wednesday so Wednesday we're looking at what March 8th all right yeah. So as of Wednesday March 8th SVB was capitalized and, and had enough assets to be in compliance with all of the Dodd-Frank rules. So as of Wednesday,
1: things were okay. What are Dodd-Frank rules?
2: Yeah, so that uh, Dodd-Frank rules are rules that were, uh, and regulations that were created after the financial crisis of 2007 to 2009 when we had to bail out all of those banks. So it's a bunch of capital requirements. Uh, There's tons and tons and tons of rules, but the main one that we're going to be discussing here is, is that there is a requirement of... That banks hold an X percentage, I don't know what it is, but a percentage of their assets um, or of their deposits has to be held at the Fed or something like that. But as, as deposits go up, their ratio goes up, and thus they can do more with money. As deposits come out of the bank and people are taking money out, they now have to put more money in sell some of of their assets or get more cash or get more funding to make sure that they continue to keep this ratio. Does that does that make sense? Okay, so that that's yep. going to be we're going to be talking about this ratio. So just remember that is as assets are coming out, it hurts your Dodd Frank ratio, and and you have to have a minimum at the close of business every day. And so that's one of the issues of what happened here. So as of Wednesday, they were fine. Uh SVB has a portfolio of assets as do, I don't want to say all banks, but probably most all, if not all banks. And what this is, is as people have been giving banks money and they put their deposits in there, the bank doesn't just sit there and hold on to all this cash and have this gigantic, gigantic vault. And there's just a bunch of cash there, right? Like they send it off to the Fed or they, you know, loan it out in, in loans you know, that's part of their portfolio this portfolio also is made up of bonds because the bank is taking your money and giving you a return now again historically over the last 10 years that return has been very 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 little but as interest rates have started to go up some banks have started to need to you know raise what they're giving you to have money in a money market or in savings account or whatnot so the banks take the funds loan them out lend them to other people um or they will buy assets. Uh, Again, it's up to the bank what assets they buy, but they tend to buy safer assets, which are treasuries um, or corporate bonds, but in the bond realm. So they have these bonds on the books. No issues there. Totally fine, totally legal. Everything's fine. All banks do this. Um, Then this is where the... First part, kind of the next thing is the part one of the perfect storm. With the rapid rate hikes that have been happening over the last nine months to try to, from the Fed, to try to fight inflation, which we need to do, um, that has caused bond values to drop significantly. So, quick caveat for those who don't know, um, bonds work in opposite direction. Uh, interest rates and prices so if i have a bond that i bought two years ago and the interest rate is one percent and a bond is worth a thousand dollars all bonds start out at a thousand dollars adam you are not going to give me a thousand dollars today to take my one percent bond because you can go get a brand new one for a thousand dollars that's giving you four percent so for me to sell mine I have to sell it below a 1000 to get someone to take less of a rate. So as interest rates go up, bond prices go down on existing bonds, and vice versa. If in a year from now, interest rates start going down, bond prices will start going up because they're more valuable because you can't get that same high interest rate anymore. So because interest rates have been going up, the price of these bonds in SVB's portfolio went down. Now, on the face of that, not a huge problem because if they could have let them go to maturity, they still get their $1,000 back. It's only the price is down only if you have to sell them before they reach their maturity. Does that all make
1: sense? Yeah. Okay. So their bonds. So bond, they needed to sell. Fund the, the run on the bank? Or should I just uh
2: No, you're, just, you're a few steps <laughs> ahead, but yes. <laughs> okay. So okay. their bond portfolio was negative. Again, just on the face of it, not a huge problem at that point. Now, uh, let's see where I'm at. So uh, part number one of the perfect storm was that um, it caused, as I mentioned, their bond portfolio to be negative. Now, part two, of this perfect storm. As I alluded to earlier, they work primarily with startups and venture capital companies. That sector has gotten hit, probably one of the hardest hit um, areas of the economy, other than real estate, because as interest rates go up, it is more expensive to borrow money from a bank well who borrows the most money on a percentage basis startups because they don't make any money yet so it's all debt and so um, they have switched from it's now too expensive to take out loans and keep borrowing money so they were starting to take money that was on deposit from svb and, you know, to do payroll and to pay for all their expenses and, and different things like that. So the deposits started to come out just on ordinary expenses from all of the startups. Okay, again, normal for this to happen. But um, SVB's business is so concentrated with startups that this had a greater impact on them than, again, it would a Chase or a a Wells Fargo. So as these deposits started to come out in normal course over the last few months, SVB's ratio that I alluded to earlier started to go down. This Dodd-Frank ratio started to go down. And so they had to sell assets to make sure they were in compliance with this Dodd-Frank ratio. So now they were forced to sell these bonds that were at a loss because their ratio was bad to free up cash and to make that cash available and, and being compliant with Dodd Frank. Okay, so of the, they sold, I think it was something like $21 billion worth of bonds, came to a $1.8 billion loss on those bonds. Then at the same time, this was either Wednesday or Thursday, they, put out in news that they were going to try to raise, I think, another 2 billion, roughly 2, 2.5 billion in stock. They were going to issue new stock and try to get more cash that way as well to make sure that they had more assets on the books to make their, their Dodd-Frank ratio higher. Well, part number three, all of this news breaks that this is happening that they're you know selling this, uh, sold this at a loss, and that they're trying to raise more cash by the stock, that the venture capital companies, uh, and from what I understand, it was started by a select few that became very concerned about this and then told all of their companies that they have invested money in, go get all of your money out of there. Well, then the news starts you know, fluctuating around and going through social media and across the news, and this just compounds, and that's where this run on the bank. It started with some, and then it went to more and more and more, and it was, you know, like I had mentioned earlier. I think it was about 25% of all the deposits that the bank had came out on Thursday. So now your Dodd Frank ratio is impossible. To satisfy, because no bank would be able to withstand twenty-five percent of the of deposits leaving. No, no bank in the world. And that's not a negative on banks. That's not a reason to fear banks. It's not. I'm not trying to put fear out there at all. That's just that's just a fact. Like this is not supposed to happen. Like there's no reason that an instance would come up where twenty-five percent of you know, everyone goes and takes all of their money. One out of every four person goes and takes all their money out of every bank. Like that just, that just doesn't happen. So this is what led to this perfect storm of situations. And then, you know, the stock price fell, of course, which makes it even worse. And then more people are trying to get their money out. And this is all Thursday. And then Friday pre-market, the stock fell another 60%. And the feds came in, FDIC came in before, um, the business day even opened and, and just took over. They took over the bank. Uh, so it's now insolvent. FDIC is in place. Anyone with FDIC insurance, which is any any account under up to $250,000, they said, we'll get their money by Monday. The other problem with this and why there was such a run on this bank, again, going back to all the startups is startups are businesses and tech uh, you know, innovators. And, and so they have a lot of they have a lot of cash. They make a lot of money. So most of these, uh, accounts that were there were over the $250,000 FDIC insurance. And that's why they were so afraid and trying to get all their money out. Um, it was, uh, I have it right here. SVB had approximately 95% of its deposits were not FDIC insured, which means 95% of the money in the bank was over the $250,000 FDIC mark. So that made it even worse on this run on the bank or more desire for people to get in there because it's not insured. And so, you know, you go to Chase, they're at 51%, you know, like most people are going to have all of their money covered. So there isn't going to be that urgency to have to go try to get all your money out because it's like, if Chase were to fail, which it's not going to, but if Chase were to fail, hypothetically, people's money is okay because it's FDIC sure. insured. So it, it caused a it's panic. Consumer banking. It, exactly. So this caused, co- and like I said, it's just a perfect storm of all of these things happening
1: all at the same time. This is an interesting exercise, I guess, if you spend a little bit of time on this, but how much of uh social media of these three parts if if this would have been 2005 would they have been and this is I'm just asking for your opinion sure would they potentially been okay been able to to raise that in a couple of days without the the news hitting and spreading so fast or uh like yeah. more venture venture capitalists uh,
2: No, so so to answer that question, um, would it have been likely? I don't know, but the probability would have been significantly higher that things would have been fine. Like, sure, even going through parts one and two of the perfect storm, if all of these tech companies um, and and startups don't go take all their money out, the bank is fine, right? Like that was the nail that. sealed the fate of the bank basically it was they they were struggling but they were trying to raise some uh some additional capital they had to sell at a loss it's a huge bank they would have been able to overcome that loss of having to sell for the uh the bond part um they were trying to raise more capital with some additional stock they had agreements in place that for that to go through until this just turned into mayhem um, mm-hmm. I, I think they they might have been okay um, but the part that made it that there's no coming back from was that huge run on the banks because now it's just impossible to try to cover and be compliant with uh Dodd-frank because so many assets just came out and you sure. you just you can't you can't recover from something like that so if there wasn't panic on it yeah there's I mean there's definitely a significantly higher chance that they're still around and they're they're doing okay yeah maybe they get dinged a bit and stock price comes down and different things like that but they're not out of business
1: so they're they're set up in a pretty unique way it seems um just given their portfolio are there mm-hmm. other banks that are kind of set up and balanced like this or what other implications can potentially spill over to other banks or if any yeah. Yep. Yeah, great question. And this
2: is why I'm getting a lot you know, of clients calling in and wanting to know. Um, so uh, just to kind of make a little bit broader question of what you asked is, are are we going to have another financial crisis? Is this going to spill over to all of the banks? You know, is this the start of another 2007, 2008? Highly, highly, highly unlikely. Of course, I cannot say no, because none of us know the future, but highly, highly unlikely. Um as we went over, SVB was in such a unique position. Are there other banks similar to SVB? Yes. Now, but not as big potentially. Oh, correct. SVB was the biggest of the ones that focus on startups. So, are there other banks that focus on startups? Yes. Would they potentially be in a situation like this? Maybe. You know, I, I'm not going to say yes, and I'm not going to say no. I I don't know, but they would have a higher probability because they're going to be operating under the same or potentially the same situation. Now, I've used Chase as an example just because their information is super easy to find. Um, is is this going to happen to Chase? Hi- again, highly, highly, highly unlikely. You know, they're such a bigger company. SVB was big and they had $209 billion. Chase has $3.6 trillion with a T, like you know, they just—they're so much bigger. Wells Fargo is huge. City is huge. You know, all these other ones are huge. They're—they're just—they have so much, so much more resources that if uh, it's—and also startups are such a smaller portion and percentage of their business that if this were to happen to them, hypothetically, they have the ability to withstand it. It's not going to be. And, and also, there wouldn't be as big from. of a run on the bank because, as I alluded to, you don't have 95% of all the right. money there <laughs> uninsured. So there's not an urgency for everyone to just run in and be, feel that they have to take all their money out of the bank. So, um, so yeah, I don't think we're going to have you know another financial crisis. Could there be another bank or two? Maybe, but they're get, probably going to be ones that are similarly situated to svb and focusing on startups and different things like that um is that
1: information available in the investors report like the portfolio percentages and their positioning
2: uh, so yeah, I mean, if you dig through their sense. quarterly reports of any bank, yeah. you can find out, you're not going to find out what every individual investment that they have is, but you can find out a mixture and what they have, um, total and, and what their deposits are and their ratios. And there, there's tons and tons of information you could find. Um, is anyone going to do that? You know, No. Right. I mean, the people that are doing that are the people that are running mutual fund companies. Again, I would just state, if for anyone watching or listening to this, just, you know, if you own a regional bank or a smaller bank that focuses a lot in tech or, you know, something like this, review it. Look at it. Now, I'm not making a recommendation because I can't do that, but think about it and go talk with your financial professional um, because they'd be able to know your situation, uh, better to be able to give you that recommendation. Um, but I don't think that this should cause mass panic or or concern over all banks, you know. But all of them have been hit, you know, in terms of the markets themselves. So, um, yeah. Do you want to touch on that at all? Yeah. Um, yep. So again, uh, because I can't make any recommendations on the podcast or um, you know, through the, the YouTube, uh, talk with your financial professional about your situation. Um, but you know, this has brought down the banks. All of them have gotten slammed, not as hard from a stock standpoint and stock price. Not all of them, obviously as much as SVB, but they've, they've come down and it potentially could be a buying opportunity for you if it fits your situation and and you do the research or your you know financial professional does but it could be an opportunity um you know to get some some good ones that have gotten hit uh, because because of this interesting yeah so and then one last thing that uh, i do want to put out there and i i don't think is being talked about really at all or or definitely is not being talked about enough um you know, from uh, implications of this, again, I don't think there's going to be huge, huge implications in terms of the banking world in regards to this. Are we going to get more regulations? I wouldn't be surprised. Any situation like this that ever happens gives the government more reason to come out and say that they need to create <laughs> more rules. Um, sure. But that's to be seen. Um, but the the big thing I see is, you know, again, SVB uh was taking care of approximately 50% of all new venture backed tech and healthcare companies. Okay. in the world or in the, uh, in the United States. In the United. Okay. Yeah, cuz they're based out of California, so it's still, you sure. know, it the company the, the bank is Silicon, Silicon Valley Bank. So they they focus on that. Okay, they're now gone. Who's, you know, well, there's one of two things. Who's going to step up and fill that role? And how are they going to avoid this same pitfall? Because, you know, I don't blame the startups for doing what they, they did because they need to protect themselves, but they also bit the hand that feeds them. You know, there, there mm-hmm. now is no bank to give. I mean, I want to say there's no bank, but 50% of all the money that's been given to that industry came from one bank that's no longer there so who's going to step up and now be the the new bank to do this and how are they going to avoid this same pitfall and if there isn't a bank that's able to step up and do this what does that mean for the tech and healthcare innovation sector over the next few years because there's going to be less money for new innovative ideas to go out there are we just going to have some sort of stall and lag i mean like where's the funding going to come to make sure that America stays on top with all of our tech innovations and that I think is a huge question that as of right now no one knows it's way too early but that's something to keep you know in mind as we go through of how does this play out because that's a really really big um that's a really big concern
1: when you say step up, do you mean merger, potential merger, or just offering that service uh, as, yeah. a, as a bank? Uh, I, I don't know any bank would want to buy that given the PR and operating it. You'd probably have a reband there. But what does that look like? If is there an opportunity now, or is that gone since FDIC has stepped in?
2: Um, no, I mean, there, there's definitely opportunity for, for another bank because there's still going to need to be new lending for new tech companies that are coming about. So that, that's what I'm saying. So, so there could be, you know, bank ABC that's based in Silicon Valley as well. Are they going to be able to step up and replace Silicon Valley bank or, will several banks be able to, I mean, it's just, that's such a huge void. I mean, it's 50%. That's half of the industry there now needs to be replaced by one or numerous banks. So first off, is there the capacity out there to even do this? And second off, if there isn't, or or, or if, no, 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 first keeping with first off, if there is enough capacity to do this, how do they make sure they don't fall into the same trap that SVB fell into because it's going to be the same people and the same startup companies. And it's the same problem because startup companies are going to take their money out. If a situation like this ever arises, because they're going to try to protect themselves and they have tend to have significantly more in deposits at normal times than, uh, the FDIC insurance covers. So how do you, Make sure you don't we don't just have another SVB in a few years. And then if you Is it Go ahead. Is there a potential to raise that limit? Or
1: well, would that, the FDIC no. not do that?
2: Well, that'd be the government would have to do that, and the government's on the hook for this. I mean, so what how FDIC works is if SVB doesn't have enough assets to right. give people all their money back, the government is giving them their money back. So that's all of us taxpayers paying for that. So if they raise that higher, that's just more liability on all of us to pay. So I maybe they will. It's it's an option. I I don't probably foresee it happening. Um I, I won't cut that vein open any farther. <laughs> no, that's just fine. Uh, so so we have that, and then and then if there isn't the capacity out there, or if people or other banks just don't even want to take on this now. What does that look like for this industry? Where are they going to get their money? Are we going to have a lag in technology or are they going to go overseas and get money? And now all of a sudden, all of our best ideas are being backed by overseas money. You know, is that a, a good thing? I mean, I on one hand, yes, because it's going to continue to keep American innovation going forward. But on the, the other hand, it depends where that what country that is. I mean, do we want Russia funding some tech companies here in, in the United States? Probably not. You know, so I I, I just it's it's going to be something that's really, really interesting to monitor going forward of how does that play out? What what ripple effects are going to be there that, you know, we're not are not just OK, SVB is gone in the bank itself. And it's like what long term ripple effects are going to go through. Um, and that's not really being talked about right now.
1: Anything else you want to cover um, before we? I ask a, a quick recap from you?
2: Yeah. Uh, one last thing, uh, just throwing this out there as well, is this likely is going to have some impact on the Fed. Uh, that is also to be seen. Um, the Fed had looked like they were leaning towards doing a 50 basis point rate hike in March here. But with this news coming out uh, and, and maybe showing some cracks of, you know, Again, it's just one bank, but part of the problem was how fast interest rates had gone up, making the bonds that the bank owned so uh, lose so much value. Is the Fed going to balk, and are they going to slow down their interest rate hikes, which, okay, on one hand, may be good for the banks that are in trouble if there are more, which, again, at this point, we don't know that, um, but on the flip side, could be hurting everyone else because inflation is going to remain higher for longer. So that's another interesting wrinkle to watch and see how that plays out. Um, it definitely throws a curveball to the Fed. Then we'll see how they want to attack that.
1: Yeah, should uh, be an interesting couple of months. Yeah, potentially definitely. the rest of the year. We'll we'll learn more as we go. Um, instead of me giving a, a quick recap of, of how how this happened, can can you just go over those three things again real quickly? Yep. Um, just to, to recap us as we put a close to this Yeah. Um, yep. Episode.
2: So just kind of recapping, um, you know, the, the three main drivers of, of what happened here is just SVB is so specialized in working with venture capital and startups uh, that they're in a unique position to be harmed by, uh the downturn of the uh that industry. Uh the rapid rate hikes of the Fed over the last nine months made their assets and bond portfolio lose money. And then to they had to they basically were forced to sell some of those assets at a loss. And then when that information came out, again the venture capital companies and startups made a run on the banks, which Typically should not happen, but because this is so specialized in in that individual area, um, it made, you know, that was the final nail in the coffin that, that they're not coming back. SVB is not coming back from this because there's too much money that came out in one day.
1: Very good. That's very helpful information for me. I appreciate you.
2: You're welcome. I uh, didn't uh, keep it to the 20 minutes you were hoping, but. No, we went wait way <laughs> like always. I know. But. It's just a lot. There's a lot, a lot there.
1: Yes, and I think that would have saved me a lot of time from doing my own research and finding out what is what and what I should believe and not should, be- what not to believe. So, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Uh, support our podcast by pressing that follow button, leave a five star review. Most importantly, tell a friend, share this episode, um, this special emergency episode. Uh, if you have not yet. Uh, left a question or suggestion, shoot us an email, uh, podcast at financiallysharp.com. That's podcast at financiallysharp.com. Again, if you've listened this far, we recorded this on Saturday, March 11th. So uh, please keep that in mind. If you're checking this episode out a a little bit later, Um, some facts might have changed. So thanks for listening. Uh, You will hear us and see us in the next episode.
0: This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.